0: Continuing with the never-ending theme of things crypto people make that also aren't investments, next on the list are utility tokens. In theory, they're actually not a bad idea. I often describe crypto tokens as gift certificates, and utility tokens are the best example of why. You're basically buying the right to consume a service. In the context of software, it's basically like buying a license. People have been buying digital licenses for years, and when a new technology doesn't require new behaviors, it's more likely to be successful. If you stop here and don't go any deeper, this all looks pretty good. But of course, you know by now I never stop at the surface. Let's go deeper. The most obvious problem right off the top is that software licenses aren't investments. Utility token advocates like to compare them with commodities. The argument is that traders in commodity markets help with price discovery. So traders in the utility token market can fulfill the same function. The difference, of course, is that real commodities have real scarcity and a shelf life. Utility tokens and software licenses don't. They cost nothing to produce and can last forever. Also, the supply of commodities is unpredictable because it's subject to uncontrollable events like weather and war, making the ability to hedge valuable utility tokens and software licenses are not they can be created on demand with zero effort or error but for some reason all utility tokens are trying to pretend they are commodities by deliberately recreating all the bad characteristics of commodities everyone who deals with them wish didn't exist from a customer's perspective It could feel like they are deliberately creating a problem just so they have an excuse to solve it with tokens imagine having the ability to produce an unlimited amount of food that could never rot for free and choosing to restrict the supply and let speculators hoard them in giant silos who would do that and call it a good thing nobody who buys anything would choose to have externally imposed supply constraints of any kind if no constraints was an option. And companies typically want to sell as much as they can, then scale up their operations to meet whatever demand they're able to generate. Who in this ecosystem has an incentive to create scarcity? It's difficult to imagine how a market with artificial constraints and traders would result in a better equilibrium between customers and suppliers than market participants would have found by just dealing with each other directly. Imagine if Microsoft announced there would only be one million licenses of Windows minted next year, and you had to compete for them on third-party exchanges with speculators. Does anyone want to buy software like that? What kind of customer prefers unpredictable pricing? Since when do people want to create hedging programs to create predictability for their budgets if they could choose not to? Who does this scheme benefit other than speculators looking to extract rent from the interactions of Microsoft and its customers without bringing anything valuable or necessary to the table? In the short term, Microsoft may benefit if the price of Windows licenses goes to the moon, but in the long term, They lose everything when all their customers look for alternatives. The goal of a business is to satisfy its customers. Everyone is so focused on finding a way to make this ecosystem profitable for investors, they forgot about the customers. The goal of any service should not be to maximize the price of its licenses. It should be to maximize the value of its licenses for customers. Historically, there has been opacity in pricing with complicated deals. But in particular with software, the trend towards standard published pricing with cloud services has already gone a long way towards addressing that issue. If the goal is clear pricing that maximizes value for both customers and suppliers, it's not clear what benefit either side would achieve in the long term by limiting the supply of licenses and enabling speculators to hoard things they never intend to use. Why can't companies just issue new licenses as utility tokens directly to their customers? In a centralized world, they probably could, but in a decentralized world, everything is a bit different. With a single selling entity like Microsoft, they don't have to worry about pricing for their software being undermined by a competitor because Microsoft is the only company that issues Microsoft licenses and they decide how they're sold. But just like when you have thousands of farmers sprinkled across the prairie selling the exact same corn, when you have thousands of nodes sprinkled across the world selling access to the exact same Web3 service, it's in their interest to find some way to collude with each other or simply take pricing out of their hands. That feels like the true reason they have adopted the commodity analogy. The problem, of course, is that whatever hoops Web3 advocates need to jump through to make their ecosystem functional is irrelevant if the offering isn't competitive. Even if this model is required for Web3, Web3 is not required for customers. If it doesn't result in a good experience for customers who have alternatives to consider, it could just mean that Web3 isn't viable. People won't adopt decentralized services because you really, really want them to. They have to create enough value at a price people are willing to pay. Investors should be chasing customers, not scarce tokens. Maximizing value and minimizing friction for customers should be their only objective. This model may be a way to successfully fund Web3 projects, but it's not a sign the service will succeed. Even worse. If token adoption by speculators outgrows service consumption by customers, the increasing token price could be a false signal that confuses investors into flushing more money down the toilet. They might be tricked into believing they are making money, when in reality, they are just shuffling money around a poker table with other investors. This intense focus on trading tokens could be a counterproductive distraction. Only time will tell if any Web3 projects will ever create enough value to be viable. I try not to make predictions about the future. There could always be corner cases where some services use so little data or you interact with it so infrequently. The performance and cost disadvantages are tolerable in exchange for security, privacy, or some other benefit. But at least today, it certainly looks like the hype is way ahead of the tech.